everybody. Todd Mitchell back with the Game Dev Breakdown podcast. It has been a long break, but it's time to get back to it. We uh, <laughs> we had holiday plans with some fun games and some gags and you name it, all the cool stuff we try to do for other holidays. But uh, John and I were not able to coordinate <laughs> in time to do anything meaningful. So uh, rather than stress out about it, try to force it, I thought, uh, why don't we just all enjoy the holidays, focus on what's important, and come back fresh in January. And uh, I think that was the right approach, and it's certainly something you should do at the holidays as well. Uh, that doesn't mean I haven't been busy. I have been uh, chatting with you guys around the web, and also making some new friends who are going to be on the show, contribute to the show in the near future. There are some creators you're going to hear from, uh, as well as a couple of my favorite authors on the industry scene right now, so I couldn't be more excited about that. And in fact... We're going to do our first show giveaway very soon, and it's something that I've mentioned on the show before, and if you're a developer or a creator seeking inspiration, this is going to be something awesome, so this is a great time to tune in and get engaged, and uh, just enjoy all the great stuff that's coming your way. Like I said, a bunch of you guys have been in touch, and I want to talk some about that. If you remember all the way back to our last show before the holidays, we talked about game jams. And instead of the usual sort of unbridled enthusiasm, I actually raised a couple of issues that might occur if you get too fixated on that activity. So it's something I've been guilty of in the past, and apparently you guys agreed with that. I got a rare website comment on the actual show page from our friend Tyler Jones of Lamestar Games. I love side comments because it's sort of a pain in the ass to leave one compared to like tweeting or leaving a Facebook comment. So I do appreciate that. Tyler said, I think it's worth noting that game jams that are held in physical locations can be one of the best ways to make connections with other developers, artists, designers. If you are usually a solo developer, you get the opportunity to sharpen skills otherwise unavailable. I'll pause right here to say I completely agree with that and it's an excellent point. I think I recall mentioning that doing it on site is well worth your time on occasion, but if I didn't hit that point hard enough, let me reiterate here. I definitely agree with this. Not only is it valuable to hook up with a team and sort of exercise your collaboration muscles, but usually on-location jams are hosted by like regional groups that you should definitely participate in anytime you get the opportunity. That may come in the form of a local game development co-op like we have here in St. Louis or a specific engines user group. There might be something connected to a university or a school or something, but if you have the chance, definitely connect with the other creators in your area. Get on Slack or Discord with them. Just find ways to make it a part of your life. It's good for you, and it's good for them. And as a secondary benefit, those connections are good for your career. Somebody might get hired somewhere and think about you later on, or somebody might have a budget for a project at some point. Don't go in thinking about that. That's not what it's about. Let me just be your worried mother for a minute and tell you to go make friends with the neighborhood kids just because it's the right thing to do, right? Okay, Tyler finishes up by saying, I think game jams can be very beneficial for all types of devs, but one must go into a jam with a general and reasonable idea of what they want out of it. Absolutely. This was very much what I wanted to put out there with the show. Tyler got it. Sounds like a lot of you guys got it. I love being able to discuss things like this with you guys, so thank you, Tyler. Over on the Facebook side, our buddy Scott Williamson from Indiana got in touch. He is a newer Unreal Engine developer who got me in touch with a small but mighty Unreal Indie group, and that's Indie like Indiana or Indianapolis. 
Uh, so shout out to you guys. He got in touch, and quite honestly, Scott getting in touch was one thing that helped me kick myself in the butt a little bit to get going on what we're calling Season 2 of the podcast. When you think about it, maybe you're reflecting on getting something going, gathering the motivation to work on something, but but some little event was the last thing you needed to hear or see or experience to get into gear. And in the case of Season 2 of the podcast, Scott had been in touch with some encouragement to ask how things were going, ask what the plan was, and that was a nice little reminder that we have a little bit of a village started here, and I love being a part of that. Sure enough, in the following week or two, I was working toward getting us back in action, so thank you, Scott. Anyway, none of that had anything to do with this. Scott got in touch again with a good topic for a discussion, which was, as a Unity developer, how do you feel about the new Epic Games store? Also, have either you or John messed with Unreal at all lately? I think the answer to that, I don't have John with me tonight, but I think the answer to that is that neither of us have done any new Unreal stuff. Like I've said before, I I worked on Unreal stuff a long time ago, and it was much earlier on. I did like it. At some point, I just got going on Unity. I haven't been back since, but that's not to say I won't. At some point, I may very well end up working with um, the Unreal Engine. But thank you again, Scott. This is a good question because... Uh, basically because of the perspective from which he asked it. As a Unity developer, what do you think about Epic running their own store? So I guess we need to go over this in parts. What do I think about Epic's game store? Epic is obviously a mega successful company, and it would be easy to say, hey, great, more competition for Steam. Ultimately, I do think that the competition is good for developers and players, but Epic has a frontman, and that's Tim Sweeney, And if you think you're not basically trading one eccentric billionaire for another, you would be wrong. Uh, I'm still, I'll still take two eccentric billionaires competing instead of just one doing whatever he wants. But, and that being Gabe from Valve. Uh, But to tell you the truth, Tim Sweeney strikes me as kind of a moody guy based on like the big anti-Windows campaign he started in 2017. Like you can still see him go after Microsoft and occasionally companies like Facebook about issues with platforms and openness, and he doesn't like anything proprietary that he just doesn't like. I'm not saying there's no theme to it, but he is a pretty opinionated guy. So when it comes to being a developer on another engine, hoping to integrate seamlessly with his store, does that worry me as a Unity guy? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Because I don't control what Unity does, and he does control what the Epic Store does, so I'm not sure how likely it is, but Unity could make a change that he didn't like. Maybe they could drop support for a platform or add a tracking tool he doesn't approve of, and I don't think it's impossible that that could cause real trouble at some point in the future. Obviously, that's a pretty imaginative scenario and requires one to think pretty far into the future, But I know there are developers who use and depend on Unity and wouldn't be comfortable trying to make the switch. Personally, if Epic added what I thought were sufficient benefits to developing on their engine and selling in their store, I would probably switch. Perfectly honest. I'm not that rigid in my ways, and there's enough that Unity does that I don't care for in the first place. I'm a creator first, a businessman second, and a fanboy basically never. My tools have to work for me, not the other way around. And I would encourage you to try to exercise that kind of flexibility for yourself as well. By the way, here in the St. Louis area at least, 
I happen to know I could be getting more reliable side work for like client projects, other things like that on the Unreal Engine. I don't know if that's a public-facing perception issue or something about the way non-gaming people like to work with game engines. The guys I talk to on a fairly regular basis do prefer to do a lot of that kind of work in Unreal. But I still like Unity pretty well. So, Scott, I hope that answers your question. I, I do think the Epic Store is a step in the right direction right now. I hope Tim lets it progress in a stable and sort of like even-handed direction, but I don't mean to make him sound like a maniac or anything like that. I don't know him. I've had no exposure to him personally, but I do see a couple of reasons to watch this pretty closely. Finally, and this came up in a Facebook group I'm a part of that does discuss parenting issues, but it pertains to all of us, the never-ending screen time debate. This is such a pain in the ass for me. (laughs) First of all, because I arrived on the scene with an educational app for kids under five, And people bring this up and will just say right to my face that letting kids have screens is wrong and it's neglect and parents who do it are irresponsible. And they go on to make these outlandish statements about how it should be outlawed by the government and stuff. It's not much different from physically sticking out your middle finger in my face and holding it there until I lose my mind. So let's come at this issue from a different angle today because we've talked about it before. But let's talk about how to actually effectively have the screen time debate when it comes up. Because if you make games, you make something kids like, and someone is eventually going to try to take you to task for this if they haven't already. If you're not a parent and think you might become one at some point, it's going to come up there too. And everyone is hell-bent on fighting this battle. So let's talk about how to win it, because I can assure you, you can win any screen time debate because you have reality and logic on your side. And that's the only kind of argument you should participate in in the first place. So let's talk about it. First, let's talk about how it came up this time. Uh, CNN has posted an article by Tara John titled, Little Evidence That Screen Time Is Harmful For Kids, Say Doctors. And the guy who posted it in this Facebook group uh, rightly and fairly pointed out that the issue has basically become kind of a tennis match where no one is winning and we're just watching the ball kind of bounce back and forth. Screen's good, screen's bad, screen's good, screen's bad. And most people have caught on to this, and at some point they decided for their family what the stance was that was right for them and their kids between the parents and on and on. And I think that's certainly fair at this point, but I was interested to see that out of this group of mostly dads, of young kids, slightly more people in this group had actually bought into the concept that screen time in itself is bad for kids. And they apparently believe that this isn't simply an issue of moderation or doing something positive instead, or you're using the screen too long so you're not talking to grandma or uh, whatever. They accepted the idea that the device with the light-up screen that displays any kind of information or imagery whatsoever is inherently damaging to a developing kid with no other factors considered whatsoever. So rest in peace to all of us who played a Game Boy in 1989 or a Game Gear one year later in 1990 and our heads exploded and we died. You know, too bad for us. (laughs) Which the point here, of course, is that this is not a new thing. We've had screens for decades and decades now and everyone's been fine. But one guy I talked to said, and actually stood by this, that his kid is allowed to watch much more TV 
than use any devices because he said they used interactive devices at school. So that's already enough of that. And now the kid can turn on Looney Tunes, but don't ask to go grab the iPad and build something in Minecraft or whatever. Uh, the inconsistencies and logical problems with this debate are just crazy. So I want to talk about the right stance to actually take with this issue. And then I want to show you how you can actually make this a pretty bulletproof conversation for you. So let's frame this like either you are a parent or you've been asked about the right approach to screen time for kids. First of all, blow up the concept of some generic thing called screen time. That shouldn't even be a, a phrase that's discussed because how much time kids watch TV or movies or commercials either alone or sitting next to their parents is not your problem if you're answering this question like whatsoever. That's not the line of work you're in or if it is, it's not what we're dealing with here today. Uh, sc <laughs> screen time is a ridiculous category because the activities are so different between watching a cartoon or watching a sitcom and actually interacting with something on your screen. So make a critical person elaborate on what kind of screen time you want to talk about. If they say it's all the same, challenge them to prove it because it is absolutely not. There is no evidence to that effect whatsoever. If somebody tells you that their kid has freakouts at night and can't sleep because you guys played a puzzle game or went through some lessons on ABC Mouse that day, they're, they're either lying or they're just mistaken. Critics are resistant to this breakdown because it requires active parenting. And I know that's harsh. <laughs> the same people who will share forwards and viral posts about games rotting a kid's brain really have no idea what is on screens in front of their kids or how long they're watching it. They do it with phones, tablets, computers, TVs. Their kid will play Fortnite for seven hours and have a freak out because suddenly we have to impose a rule and say it's bedtime. But screens for that parent are the last thing shielding them from having to confront that they did not do their job correctly. They weren't watching their kid. They weren't paying attention to what their kid was doing. Like I said, I know this is harsh, but if that same person wants to flip you off for not parenting their kid correctly... It's more than fair for you to sort of turn that back around and point it straight at them where it belongs. Some people will try to get fancy at this point because they just start flailing when they are actually questioned on this stance. And they say, uh, <laughs> they'll point to a couple of loosely blogged articles and make this stupid argument that video games of any kind stimulate a kid's brain with dopamine the same way drugs would which means they can cause addiction, which means, oh, screen time is bad. Well, okay. The reason that's a stupid argument is that almost anything worth doing does the exact same thing to your brain. It happens when you hit a home run in baseball. Uh, it happens if you win a game of chess, get an A on an exam, graduate, get a promotion. Uh, if someone was able to construct a fast enough loop of any of these things, yeah, you would get hooked on that. But even that is a lot more like eating sugar than taking drugs. And that brings us back to active parenting and moderation and deciding what amount of something is right for your family. If you still want to be that guy and declare that any and all form of video game is dangerous and isn't allowed in your home, you've, you've really stretched pretty hard to get there and science is not on your side. But you haven't really achieved anything more in the debate than outing yourself as kind of a huge bummer. Now, obviously, I can't go through every stupid argument against letting a kid touch a Kindle tablet or whatever, but I can tell you how to dismantle 
most things people will come at you with. Almost every time this comes up, an article does basically the same thing. A study says that kids who limit screen time have greater cognition or uh, some other health or mental benefit. Then the study itself actually explains a lot of connected factors and explains why it's hard to attribute uh, one thing to another or blame screens or baseball or anything. But then a journalist or a blogger declares screens are making your kids stupid. Or somebody says, based on this study, screens need to be banned up to age eight. And that's a real example, by the way, which completely conflicted with the study that it quotes. Uh, Groups of pediatricians will put out recommendations or doctors will issue warnings. And it's all really the same thing. It's moderation. It's parenting. Too much of anything is obviously bad. Every other screen problem is being fabricated to convince your paranoid Aunt Kathy to click on pages full of ads. So the discussion becomes very easy. You know what the truth is. Every time someone challenges it, you just have to identify the gap (laughs) and either ask them to explain, which they can't, and they'll just get mad. Or when it comes up with me, I go, can we talk about it? Can I explain a couple of things? Can I ask you some questions about this? When someone comes at you about this, make them be specific. Make sure they know that video games don't do anything to the brain, that sports don't, or, you know, something like that. Unfortunately, most times people do this, they have opted out of some form of parenting, and now they're mad at you. I know this isn't going to make you any friends, so uh, enjoy that. It's it's always going to be a problem, but like I said, you you can dismantle any amount of this kind of criticism because it's just not backed up by anything. And that's my little community soapbox issue about that because I tell you, <laughs> there's an argument I could join on online about this every single day. I have to decide for myself that I'm not going to do that. We can talk about it here. You guys get it. If somebody really does want to know more, I'll direct them to this. You can direct others to this. If you came to this show because someone else got into a debate with you and pointed this out, Please just understand where we're coming from. We're doing a job. We have good intentions, not bad. We are not evil warlocks or wizards uh, trying to addict your children to the screens. I tell you what, quite honestly, the IGDA has said some completely irresponsible stuff about this. If you get into certain special interest groups, they will go off on these campaigns about how we as designers have certain obligations to the public because game developers are exploiting these psychological gameplay loops and stuff. That's complete bullshit. That's not true at all. Yes, we want to make an appealing game loop for people to play, but it's not because we have some magic trick that's going to get people addicted. That's just not how it fucking works. It's not. It's not how I'm here to tell you. I'm going to blow the lid off this thing. That does not exist. I'm a pretty smart guy. If it existed... I would have a pretty tough choice to make. Like, am I just going to exploit this and become all powerful? But you know what? Somebody else is not as nice a guy as me. They would have done it by now. They would have just completely obliterated the world. And the fact that we're all here means screens are ultimately okay. The fact that the Game Boy didn't kill anybody, the Game Gear didn't put anyone in the first clinic for video game addiction. We need to really look at this stuff objectively. That's my soapbox. You guys enjoy. (laughs) And the truth is, the best thing you can do if somebody goes nuts about this stuff, just ignore it. But that's all I'm going to say about that for today. The other big topic for the night, this has actually been a show full of community topics, which I love. I love sitting back, hearing what you guys have to say, putting some information together, 
um, trying to package it with a nice tidy bow and saying, here you go, everybody. Here's what's going on. Here's, here's what we can learn. and <laughs> Let's move forward together. So the final topic for this one does come from the Twitter side out in game developer community land. And usually that means I'm checking out the game dev tags and people have already been, uh, people have already friended and stuff like that. I saw a tweet from another developer who I hear from on occasion, and she was talking about the finer points of filling out tax forms so she could accept payments from her game projects on itch. And she wasn't actually asking anything about this topic. She was trying to say that her significant other was very supportive about this and encouraged her to open her own LLC to make it official and to sort of just what he was saying was like, yeah, start this, start your own business, take a run at your dreams and really go for it. And it should have been a really nice thing. But then she got some shitty advice (laughs) that she didn't ask for. And I saw this. And uh, since this was something we've already said we were going to talk about very soon at the end of last year, Uh, I've recently closed down my old incorporated studio and I'm relaunching my own LLC here in Missouri uh, as more of a media company because now I'm doing podcasts and I'm writing and I'm also doing games. I promised we were going to talk about that process and here we are. We're getting a little kickstart because people are saying stupid stuff about this online. God, be really careful what you listen to online. Let's talk about the shitty advice that she got. A guy who appears to work in games professionally and has more followers than I do on Twitter, but that's beside the point. I guess he also does some kind of independent development. He jumped on this and says, Oh, well, the LLC is handy because you can keep a separate bank account, but it's unnecessary if you're just one person. It's just not worth it unless you want to get some like business discounts at stores or something. LOL. Uh, I'm sorry that's ridiculous advice, and I'm not even going to bother sharing what I told them. I did keep it pretty tame, but I explained to this developer, yes, you do need an LLC. The rest of us who have them are not just wild and crazy guys just out here doing whatever. But to try to maximize what I pass along to you guys here, I'm going to go straight to some experts who are more qualified to speak on this than myself. I've done the process. There are people who specialize in the process. So the resource I'm going to frame this advice after is this was on blackshellmedia.com. And the article is called How to File a Company as an Independent Game Developer. The reason I picked this is because it's written by a guy named Zachary Strebeck, Strebeck, who is an attorney who focuses entirely on game development. And this dude is the real deal. Now, he's not your lawyer and neither am I. So when this is all over, you still probably need to talk to an attorney or accountant about how to do this right in your situation and in your area. But we're still going to talk about it. So this article has a section called, Why Should You Form a Business Entity? The author describes it as one of the most important things you can do. He says the reasons include limiting your personal liability and shielding your personal assets from the company's debts. And hey, that's why they call it a limited liability company. Holy shit. Anyway, creating transferable business also gives you something you you can sell for a profit in the future. I'm sure that sounds nice. Uh, It will allow investors to easily invest capital in exchange for equity in the business. And they're not going to try that if you don't have a business, right? You can give a professional appearance to customers. Eh. And then finally, having a legal entity is necessary in order to get your game on some publishing platforms like Xbox One. Oh, damn, that's a good point. 
That is a good point I didn't think about because I'm not a console developer just yet. He goes on to elaborate on the different kinds of businesses you could form for your studio, including a sole proprietorship, which is a bad idea because it's no different from being an individual, a partnership, which has the same problem, (laughs) and then there are corporations and limited liability companies. Obviously, those last two are the real contenders, and there is a special section on this article in this article about choosing between them. They boil down to the LLC being easier and simpler to form and maintain, while the corporation is easier to handle if you want to seek out investors who are used to seeing corporations and usually they're set up in Delaware and they can invest and they have all these special laws and rules that protect them. In my case, I had an accountant once lean on me to choose the incorporating side, so setting up a corporation and... uh, doing it in a certain way that would try to angle us into like certain tax write-offs and stuff. It sounded okay. And then it got sketchy and turned out to be a terrible thing. We didn't do anything wrong. She really didn't either, but it it would have required my business to be much further along to be done right. And it almost completely blew up my studio. And I, I can tell you, I will be going the LLC route forever. But once you've decided on something like this, you have to worry about how to actually file. In the name of fairness, I will tell you that the author of the article gives advice to the effect of working with an attorney and an accountant right away when you're just starting out on the outset to do the whole thing, you know, 100% above board and correctly instead of doing something like using LegalZoom, which will help you file an LLC, or trying to do it yourself, which people do as well. What I'll say about that is it's true that this is probably the most correct and best thing that you can do. Um, I can also tell you as an indie, you probably can't afford to do that. I know some accountants and some lawyers will do stuff like this for a a set price and they keep it very affordable so they can take on new clients and stuff. If you find something like that and you're comfortable with the person and you're happy with that idea, God bless. But if you work alone or you aren't flush with cash, (laughs) My first short-lived studio was an LLC. I formed it through LegalZoom, and I had a perfectly positive experience. I cannot guarantee that you will as well, but if you don't experience anything out of the ordinary, it's an option. It's an option you can do, and people have done it, and people have been fine. Like I said earlier, my accountant set up my corporation later, which was my second business, and that was just me and her, and if we had kept things simple and weren't shooting for like, you know, hey, you can also do this and this will make taxes easier and stuff. If we had just done it in a very simple way, that would have been perfectly fine. And watching what she actually did to create the corporation, I could have done it myself pretty easily and with pretty minimal research. So if you do that, you're on the hook for every little detail. You've got to keep up with your state's laws and requirements and the way your taxes work in your state. Uh, There are articles of incorporation, which is a special set of forms that have to be filled out and have to be on record. The tax forms are something that you'll have to research every year. And it's, it's something you have to keep up with, which does take away time that you need to spend elsewhere. It's, it's a big pain in the butt. My advice, honestly, would be to have an accountant that you trust or that you, you know, that you just met. They, they have laws and (laughs) oversight and everything, but most of them are great. Uh, have them help create the business and take care of your taxes. They will do that for a set fee. It's usually not bad. You know, don't be afraid to ask them what it would run. And uh, 
I, I would say to know of an attorney in your area that you can turn to if there's an issue. I've got one in mind for just about anything that could happen to me. And I think that's okay. Like I said, I'm relaunching as a full media company here soon that will oversee my site, the podcast, the game development, any cool stuff I write, all the stuff I manage to create. It'll include any side work I decide to do, anything I put in the app store. It all goes under one big umbrella. And all I have to do now is think of a name. So I will say, be ready for some branding talk next time. But yes, that is why you do need to have an official company if you want to create games, work in the development space, it's for all those reasons above, but the big one is protecting your personal assets from the things that you're trying to do to better your own life. Don't do it in such a way that puts you in danger. And for the love of God, don't tell random strangers on Twitter <laughs> that they don't need to protect themselves from a lawsuit. That's insane. And this person eventually was like, yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't have any money for them to come after and blah, blah, blah. Like you probably do. You probably have a car or a house or you probably got something that you're not even thinking of that you could be sued for. And it doesn't matter if they're going to win or not. Bad lawsuits go forward and waste people's time and money every day. You need to protect yourself from that. And if all they can do is sue your $0 company, fine, let them come after you. Then it's not a problem. And then you've done it right. Probably won't happen to you, but we'll, we can talk about that sometime too. It does happen. Lawsuits happen all the time from publishers, from players, from, uh, from concerned citizens. It's a, it's a lot of stupid stuff that can happen to you. I don't want to see you guys get in that kind of trouble. Talk to an accountant or talk to a lawyer. Make sure you're covered and do things in the smartest way possible because uh, I, I want to see you guys succeed. So, hey, I think we got to everything. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, please consider subscribing. Leave us a nice review. Tell a friend we're doing what we're doing here. You can check out show notes and interact with us at CodeWriteplay.com. Also, various other spots around social media. Just uh, punch in Game Dev Breakdown and you will probably find us or CodeWriteplay. Like you saw this time, we are all about getting you guys involved. So reach out with feedback, show topics, let us know what's on your mind, because that's what we like to talk about. So thanks for being here. You guys keep up the good work, and we will catch you next time.